Would you look at that? He's back. It's the Sleepers Podcast, Friday, October 20th, coming to you live from the counterintelligence military grade offices of Michigan football. Uh, listen, investigations are happening. We love investigations here. We love trauma. It's the most dramatic rivalry in sports, college sports at least. Michigan, Michigan State. It's a rivalry Friday. It's also a Riley Friday, we think, but Riley is currently feeding his son a bottle. So he told us to start the episode without him. We are wholly unprepared. Carter has a flight in like 20 minutes. So this episode could go a variety of ways, but uh, we thank you for being here with us regardless. Carter, it's great to see your face and it's great that you don't hate me after yesterday's roast. No, I don't hate you at all. And I thought yesterday was it, it gave me a nice little little chuckle as I decompressed from hiking up mountains and going in all the crevices and natural parts of Earth. Uh, but some things do have to be addressed before we get into this episode uh, in regards to the people who participated in the roast. Um, Eli, in your Tinder bio, you have to put in there specifically that you don't like amusement parks. And that's not because you don't like roller coasters. It's because you're not tall enough to go on any of them. Uh, Tristan, you're shaped like about 50% of middle school lunch ladies. Uh, Riley, I'll leave you alone, but I will go. I'll, no, I'll do a combined one for you and Theo. Uh, Theo, you're shaped like in about 20 something years. You're going to end every that threat to anybody with my father's going to hear about this. I did not expect you to come after Theo. Oh, my I, God. I mean, I, I, I did you not hear those? You heard him, right? He wasn't oh, fired during that he whole was- thing. He was going he off. Tried, oh, he <laughs> chimed in. I heard it. I went back and listened. He was participating. He was going off. Uh, I think you get the honor of saying you're the first person to insult Theo in his life. I'm sure the, not many insults have been thrown his way thus far. So that's great. Uh, no words for me, my friend. I'm kind of the one who coordinated all this. Oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm saving it for you because there's going to be one day. There's going to be one day where you're going to have to take a little break. And it, I'm I'm not doing any radio comments either. We're going to have an hour 30 and we're going to go year by year and it's going to be an absolute roast. No guest either. So I, uh, I love, I love that. I think that should be the thing. If one of us can't make an episode and the other one wants to do it, it should turn into a full blown roast. Uh, yeah, yesterday was fun. Thank you to everybody in the discord who contributed to yesterday's episode because the second half of the episode was, uh, almost Eh, who am I kidding? It wasn't as fun, but it was almost as fun as the Carter Elliott roast portion. A lot of great questions. Uh, in in fact, we're going to do a couple responses today to a few comments that we have. We don't have as many as normal, but we have a few in here. And uh, one of them is along the lines of, can we do more of the voice response questions? We absolutely can do that. We can set up a time maybe like once a month minimum where we make sure we do that. And we do that with Carter as well. But we would now like to welcome father of the year, Riley Davis, to the show. Riley, I would like you to know that Carter literally just insulted your son. I mean, that's par for the course. He did roast them uh, and the roast to Carter Elliott. So I expect it. Our PR team, our family PR team will draft up something by this afternoon. So, but listen, we're not going to back down from adversity. We don't just like retreat back into the shell again. I, I'm like hardly leaving my house while I'm on paternity leave. So some could say I'm already in the show, but that's, that's, that's not characteristic of this family. So it will not be tolerated, but I do like the hoodie cart. I'll, I'll start with oh. a compliment. I'll take the higher road. Um, Thanks. I'm still waiting for my overtime care package. Only said that like three times on this program. 
Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe this will be the, the, the boost that overtime needs to, to set up the ACC correspondent too, but it's, it's a nice little fit you got going on today, Cart. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I do, I do must say before we get into this though, is that you never underestimate what a good webcam and a good, and a good ring light can do because my 2014 MacBook webcam is on its last leg and I've attended almost every episode I've done on this trip looking like a Dateline episode, looking like, you know, I, I need to conceal my identity. And I'm not here for that because one, I want to be seen. And two, the people need to see me. Okay. I got it. You know what I'm saying? I got a nice face. I want my face to be seen. Damn it. So when I return, the ring light's going to be doing numbers. Okay. I'm I'm talking Nikola Jokic MVP type numbers. So and I can't wait. Man said, I got a nice face. <laughs> That's a historic quote from Carter. Uh, yeah, you do look like you've just been podcasting from the room that Jim Harbaugh locks his spy assistants in. So <laughs> that's nice. Uh, anyways, look, uh, Riley says he has topics. Of course he does. Riley Davis is prepared. And he's also now like an official podcaster. Like you, you've obviously been doing podcast appearances for years at this point. But now you have your own podcast. And uh, from what I've heard, week one's been going pretty well. So congratulations on that. But uh, that. I, I was going to quote tweet. I think it was the field of 68 account itself had like the live episode yesterday. And I just happened to catch it at the right time, right when it came out. And I had a quote tweet written up that said, I think that one of these two is extremely handsome and one isn't, but I'll never tell them which one is which. (laughs) And I thought that would really get in Jacob's head. So I didn't do it, but that was, uh, that's in the drafts right now. (laughs) Please do next, next live broadcast. Let it fly. (laughs) How's the podcast going though? I've listened to both episodes. They've both been fantastic. No, I appreciate that. It's been going well. We had a, a lot of people tuned in for the live broadcast last night. I think at one point there was over 500 in there, which kind of exceeded my expectations. Uh, the little Goodman quote tweet really got people popping in there. In the live chat, it was a lot of Dookie saying like, oh, UNC sucks. Duke's going to sweep them, which like, whatever. Congrats on sweeping us last year when we literally had a team that didn't like each other and missed the tournament. So like, if that's what you're hanging your hat on, cool. Um but yeah, I've I've been enjoying doing it. I've been enjoying talking about the heels. And I know I've kind of said throughout the summer and into the fall that I'm not getting my hopes up for this UNC team. I didn't rank them in our almanac poll. Um, I want to I want them to prove it to me, but I don't know. It's like the more I talk about it, the more I even talk with y'all about the heels, the more and more they're like pulling me back in and getting me to buy in that this team is gonna be pretty good. I don't know. I still don't want to jinx it. So <laughs> Yeah, well, if you want to hear Riley's full thoughts on his Tar Heels, you can certainly do that. What's the name of the pod now? Because he changed it. Yeah, it's The Pod is the Roof. A little homage to Michael Michael Jordan in 2017 when he famously said the ceiling is the roof, and then we won the national championship. Um, How much did you debate the, the pod is the roof versus the ceiling is the pot? I don't like the ceiling as the pod. I like Jacob. Jacob threw out the ceiling as the roof, which I didn't just like that as a podcast name. I thought it needed to be a little bit different. Um and the first thing that I said, like just kind of jokingly afterwards, was how about the ceiling is the pod? But I think, Greg, it might have been you who said the podcast is the roof, or it might have been Cart. One of y'all threw out that idea. Um, which also the funniest part about the ceiling is the roof is, you know, MJ really only shows up to Chapel Hill when he can promote his brand um, and kind of just like show up and be like, yeah, Michael Jordan, like clap for me. Um, and when he said that phrase, it was at halftime of a basketball game when he was announcing the that the Jordan brand would be sponsoring the football team like it was literally just a brand announcement at the time Larry Fedora was the coach so he's out there with MJ like 
wearing a medium shirt showing off the biceps, like <laughs> like clapping as MJ's talking about the, the jump man on our football stuff now. But um hey, you're, but, you talking, know. you're talking to two schmedium shirt experts here so facts uh, always yeah. size down yeah we respect <laughs> that but uh yeah and look at you now now you got drake may now you're undefeated now i have a million dollar futures parlay that depends on your tar heels that's a scary proposition by the way we've talked about it briefly on the show but i have this 10 leg preseason football futures parlay that i used a 100 free bet on to win a million dollars 1.1 million dollars if four teams win their conference championship game and then six NFL division winners play out right now, eight of the 10 are like big betting favorites. <laughs> and the two that are up in the air is North Carolina and uh, the bills are currently underdogs to the dolphins. So there's a real chance this happened. I went back last night to see like, what would the odds be if I placed it today? It would be $100 to win $50,000 today. It was a hundred to win a million before the season. So wait, aren't isn't Bama? Bama's still the underdog too, though. Bama is in it. They're an underdog, but I yeah, I, the, the I two like historic the football powers. Yeah, I like the Alabama and UNC. They're an underdog. Oklahoma is oh Oklahoma is also in it, but I'm I'm not taking Texas seriously as a threat. Anyways, we'll have updates on that. I gotta write the newsletter also. I might write about that in the newsletter today. So stay tuned. Let's get to the show though, because Cart has a flight sometime in the next. 50 minutes. I don't know when he's going to abandon us. And uh, Riley has a baby that could also make him leave at any time. So uh, <laughs> let's do comments quickly. We don't have too many from yesterday's show, uh, but I do want to make sure that we get to Chris, who is new to the discord. We told him we would have an epi- or a, a comment for him today. So Chris says, Greg, thanks for the mention at the end of the podcast. Coolest thing that's happened to me this week. I wanted to do a quick follow-up on my comment last night. Obviously, this is all hypothetical, but what impact would a Jeremy Fears commitment have on this team? Or uh, sorry, Jeremiah Fears commitment have on this team. He's talking Illinois. We spent all offseason saying we were fine at point and Rodgers is the guy. Given Underwood's track record of transfers, does Rodgers get sick of being moved around and leaves? I think a Fears slash DGL backcourt with Dane, Merez, Hansberry frontcourt would be nasty. But does Rodgers move back to his natural spot as a three? Do we grab a wing or two from the portal? Thanks. Carter, what do you think? So uh, just to correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, G, did he mention that DGL and Jeremiah Fears would be in the same backcourt? Uh, that is what he's projecting. If fears were to commit to Illinois, that would be his hope. Okay. Okay. I see that. So I'm, I'm, I'm in a hard place with this one because I hate being the don't take good players or don't take this player because you have set player. Like you always want talent on your basketball team. I don't think that should ever be an issue, but in my head with the way that Illinois team is set up, if Jeremiah fears was to commit, wouldn't Dre gives Lawhorn go elsewhere like that? That's what I think would happen with this basketball team. And would that be necessarily a bad thing? I don't know. I really like Jeremiah fears. I think he's kind of like the fears family members seem to do has gotten better and better throughout his, you know, high school and AAU years. And now he's kind of really coming into his own. And I think he would be really good with Illinois and it'd be really fun to watch him play Jeremy a couple of times a year in the big 10. But um, yeah, I just, I don't think Ty would leave either. I think Ty would actually be pretty open or actually welcoming to going back to more of his natural position as kind of like a wing or a three position. And I think that's where he would look best for the Illinois team as well. 
but because Ty Rogers, I I see him as a great team guy, as a you know do anything for the you know the the Ben and Champagne. He would play the point guard position like Brad wants him to, but I think naturally having him as a wing would make Illinois a better team. Like if you give me a lineup of, okay, let's go ahead and go. Let's say they get Jeremiah Fears. Give me Jeremiah Fears. Not going to pencil in DGL at the two. We'll figure out who else is at the two. And then you have Ty Rogers at the three and then like Morez at the four and Hansberry at the five or Dane at the five if he comes back. I think that'd be a really, really good basketball team, and I'd buy a lot of stock in it. But I think what Illinois fans need to worry about is if they do get Jeremiah Fears, what kind of domino effect would that have on Dre Gibbs Longhorn? Because I don't think it would go as smoothly as people think. A couple quick things from my perspective on this. I wouldn't pencil DGL into anything, anything at all. Um, that's that's not meant to be too harsh. Sorry, Mama Gibbs Lawhorn, but uh, – I just would, if you're looking at like this team's lineup in December, I wouldn't pencil him into that. Let's just see. Let's see how it goes for a month. But it, like projecting a year out with Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, I think is a, a failed exercise for a bazillion different reasons. Um, with Ty Rogers, it is interesting because it all depends on how this year goes, right? Like if Ty actually is good and is like a 30 minute point guard for Illinois, then I, I assume he would play that again next season, even if you get Jeremiah Fears. I don't know that it would necessarily like push him back to a natural position. Like if Ty Rodgers is just good with this opportunity he's been given, I think it's kind of the keys are in his hands. I am skeptical that's going to happen. I think I've said it on the show a bunch of times. I just don't think he's a point guard. And when you now talk about like, okay, we're going to spend all this year asking Ty to play point guard. And then next year we're going to totally switch it and give up and say it's not working. And let's move him to small forward. Can Ty Rogers play the three if he's playing next to two non-shooters at the four and the five? Like Coleman Hawkins leaves this team next year. Is anyone on the team going to be able to shoot? Like at a certain point, and, and this is not meant to just be a criticism of Ty's game, but like you have to be very specific in the pieces you surround him with if he's going to be a big minutes guy. And uh, to me, the best case roster for Ty Rogers, if you were starting with Ty Rogers and building around him, would be you're playing him at the four with a stretch five and shooting everywhere else. Like, I think that could work, but uh, Coleman Hawkins is going to leave. And on paper, none of the other Illinois bigs are stretch guys. So point is, let's get through this here first. Let's not project too far into the future. But if we are playing the projection game, there's a lot of names in here I would not include. Like, I don't think Ty Rogers' decision to leave would not be because Jeremiah Fears is bumping him out. It would just be because he failed this year. Like that, that would be the scenario where Ty leaves, right? It's just, he's a disaster this year. Not that he'd be like good at leaves, right? Yeah. I, I, I do like Ty Rogers at the four. Um, and, and, and the one thing I'll push back on is I don't necessarily think they would need a five that can stretch the floor like that. Like if you just give me Ty Rogers and then any option at the five that I think Illinois will have, and I think they will have options. That's one thing I don't think they got to worry about. Uh, Dane can come back. Uh, Hansberry will have another year under his belt. I think Merez Johnson is one of the best players in the country coming in. I think he's going to be a monster. Um, so they'll, they'll be set there. So if they're able to have like Ty at the four and one of those guys at the five and then just surround him with playmaking, shooting wings and guards, I think they'll, I think they'd be okay. Like I'd buy stock in that lineup. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, 
Yeah, just I I'm just like literally getting grossened by the idea of Ty at the three with two non shooters next to him. Yeah. Like also, also uh, I'm placing a plus two seventy bet that Dane Danger ends his career as a stretch five. Like he'll shoot close to thirty percent from three. I'll give you those odds, and I like those odds. I'll bet that with you. All right, hopefully uh, we gave you a good first answer to your first career comment, Chris. You're one for one. Please keep them coming, and thank you for joining the Discord. We greatly appreciate you, my friend. Uh, Travis Nelson just throws some positivity out. He says, awesome episode today. Shout out to the guests and the sleepwalkers. Come back soon, big fella. Carter Elliott. Listen, there's there's a couple of people commenting saying that I'm I'm letting go of the blue-collar mindset. And I just want to let that be known. That's not the case. I am committed. I am all in on Sleepers Media, and I will be until the day I die. Mm, okay. I mean, this felt like a little bit of a holdout situation, I will say that. Like, speaking for Sleepers Media, upper management here, you do have to earn it again. Like, this is kind of a James Harden situation. Now it's Friday, and, oh, you want to show up for Friday? Like, okay, yeah. Well, it, it, Greg, just let this be known. If I ever do have a holdout, it's going to be it's gonna be a circus, okay? It's not going to be one of those quiet holdouts where I'm waiting in the background. Like, I'm going to be making, you know, statements. I'm going to be doing petty things. I'm going to be wearing, like, other podcast hats like getting just getting caught in in i don't know doing my grocery shopping it's going to be some petty stuff going on just know that if there's a holdout we actually would be really really good at manufactured drama like if we if you and i wanted to plan out like a month-long feud online and deep down we weren't actually feuding but i think we could do some very creative things with that let's think about that for next off season Melba, i think it'd be hilarious if uh if cart showed up on like the field of 68 after dark wearing a fat suit as part of his, his whole <laughs> <laughs> i'm, I'm just glad the- you said i i'm just glad you said i had to wear a fat suit that really meant a lot to me thank you Melba is in uh, the comments saying, great episode today. It's fun to mix things up now and then. Maybe the call-in segment can become a reoccurring thing. I'm totally in on that. Set it at the top. If we want to do that like once a month, uh, absolutely. That was really fun. I would like to do it with Cart present. I think, uh, you know, as much fun as I had just sort of giving my own answers to it. I certainly missed the big fella during that portion of the show. So let us know. Let us know what you think the the cadence should be for that. I'm kind of thinking once, once a month is the good move, though. Jay Meisner uh, was actually helping Chris out. He was telling him to tag us. So Jay Meisner, thanks for sort of helping moderate on the fly in the Discord. Also shout out to Koi, best Discord moderator on the world. Uh, scrolling. Hey, Koi's the moderator now. Koi, Koi's doing big things, man. What a what a what a great fan. The community is special, Riley. I'm not gonna lie. Like we we got like 56 paid members, I think, right now. Almost 130 that have like joined, but not all have paid. But like. There's a lot of positivity, a lot of real kindness going on in this Discord. Uh, Tristan Busting Brackets of Carter Elliott Roast fame says, question for Riley Davis. When y'all going to stop Rick Pitino from stealing y'all recruits? Have some pride. Um, For one, Ian Jackson scheduled an official visit to UNC three weeks from now, November 3rd. This broke yesterday. Pitino's not getting Ian Jackson. He can go be old and decrepit up in Queens where no one outside of New York City cares about the program. When's the last time St. John's even made a tournament where they weren't in the first four? Do we have to go back to like the, the <laughs> honestly, do we need to go back to like when Chris Mullins was there? Like, was that the last time they did something in an NCAA tournament? Wait, wait, wait. Are we like, bashing missing the tournament now? Yeah, you can do that when you miss the tournament like once every two decades. Mm, okay. <laughs> I, I thought uh, I, I thought this was a pro miss the tournament podcast today, at least. 
I mean, for us two, maybe last year it was. I'm definitely pro like skipping the NIT if you don't make the tournament. I will co-sign that. But once again, when you got banners, you can miss the tournament every once in a while. The privilege card. The Tr- privilege. Tr- Tr- the privilege is crazy, but also Tristan just talks so spicy for being a pit fan. Like you would <laughs> think you'd have some type of just like, I don't know, self-realization that his basketball team is the Pitt Panthers. Like, what are we doing here? They haven't been. They haven't been anything since Levance Fields, and he was shaped like uh, Raymond Felton, twenty twenty three. I'm disgusted. I didn't use Levance Fields in yesterday's roast. That would have been so good. Uh, I Tristan's portion of the roast yesterday got a lot of love, by the way, including a text to me in the morning from Rob Doster, where Rob said, "I can't believe you didn't ask me to do the Carter Elliott roast." Thank Uh, God. I also (laughs) so I this is literally what I responded to Rob. Uh, I said, to be honest, I used your name in negotiations with the people we brought on the show. Like I told like Eli Riley and Tristan that Rob was going to do it. And then I never asked Rob. Uh, (laughs) The reason I didn't ask Rob is because Rob called me third, no Wednesday, like afternoon. It was like, Hey, I need your help with something. Can you make a video comparing every big 12 basketball coach to what dog they would be? I said, Rob, what are you like? What? This is totally out of the blue. What are you doing? Uh, and then he was like, Yeah, like I think it was Kelvin Sampson said, like his first impression of Big Twelve is everybody's dogs. So I think that'd be hilarious. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, I don't think I want to compare black coaches to dogs, Rob. So very smart. How about we squash that? Uh, but yeah, Rob never responded after asking me to do that. So he didn't get to join the roast, but know that Rob wanted to join the roast and Rob's favorite part of the roast was Tristan Freeman's part. Yeah. yeah Tristan's was pretty funny. The weight comparisons at the end were pretty, pretty funny, but he also did name some like college, like Hoopers, like some dudes that were really nasty, which I appreciated. Uh, he's also still shaped like he has, you forgot the pickles. So let's, let's keep that. Let's keep that in perspective. Keep it moving. I uh, I just enjoyed every successive time that, uh, and more importantly, dropped in Tristan's part. It was just great comedic delivery. We have three more comments today. Keith Johnson, 32, has a little more praise. He says, Greg's roast of Cart was an amazing comedic masterpiece. I refuse to believe he made that in one day. Also, finding out Cart is a Nepo baby connects a few dots for me. I can't believe I got compared to Jace Howard. That's insane. I mean, aren't we pro nepotism at this point? I feel like we've all had enough nepotism in our lives in various ways. We are, but I I think that part of nepotism is like you're just getting fired up to the top, like you know what I'm saying, like you're skipping steps. Uh, I wish I was a nepotism baby because I didn't get to skip steps, mm. and that's not fair. I feel like as the son, I should have been able to skip some steps. Didn't get to skip steps, which is bullshit, by the way. So. Uh, I'm like a half nepotism baby, but uh, you know, I'll take it. I mean, that's just part of the B minus job your parents did raising you, right? Exactly. exactly. Honestly, thinking about that might have to you know round down. Not a mad podcast. Fam says happy bluffs Friday to all who celebrate. For Riley, what needs to happen for UNC to make the playoff? For the panel, favorite tailgate food. Car and I will think about our tailgate food while Riley answers what needs to happen for the Tar Heels to make the playoff. Okay, biggest thing that needs to happen is just this this coaching staff needs to get its clock management together. That's kind of been a recurring theme in the Mac Brown era is like going into the half, getting the ball back with like a minute 
left two timeouts and you just let the clock run out, even though you have Drake may um, there's other times like we mismanaged the end of the first half against Miami last week, where we got the ball back with a minute and a half. And I think we had two timeouts um, didn't run the ball once just threw it like three times. Didn't get a first down, had a punt Miami got a field goal. Um, that's honestly my biggest concern with this team. I think the defense has good depth uh, along the, the D line linebackers are good shake secondary is a little bit shaky but i think like our front seven can make up for it um tez walker's back he's cooking with drake like um if you watch the game against miami you saw how special he is like <clears throat> so yeah it really just comes down to those little things that haven't cost us yet but when we i think we end the season with home for duke then at Clemson, at NC State. And I know NC State is like god-awful this year, but every time we play, it doesn't matter how bad the other team is, it, it ends up being a close game. So um, those are those three games where it's like we could very well be entering uh, those last three 7-0, and or excuse me, I guess that'd be 9-0, and not a math podcast. Um, but that that's where like when you get into crunch time there, that's where you got to have your clock management and your coaches like on top of their game. Great answer. Carter, favorite tailgate food? So I'm going to go two ways here. Uh, if I'm just like at a, let's say like a Lions game tailgate or any type of tailgate in the Detroit area, uh, I think the GOAT tailgate food's a hot dog, to be honest. Like I need a dog and I need to dress it up with relish and mustard and ketchup. I love a good dog at a tailgate. But more specifically, the all-time GOAT one, which is more specific to East Lansing, is just a 50-piece, 100-piece of cracked chicken. Yep. Like it's a, it's an absolute necessity. It's I'm not attending a tailgate, to be honest, if I'm not provided or given the option to bring crack chicken. It's it's the best ever. Uh, if anybody's in the East Lansing area or Lansing area for a tailgate, make sure you attend a tailgate that has crack chicken available. It's top tier. Yep, that's the answer. That was my answer. I'm glad you got there. Uh, by the way, I will be in East Lansing from Michigan, Michigan State tomorrow. Uh, again, my role Saturday is just to make sure everybody plays fair, plays by the rules. Just want to get in and out. Uh, you know, have a nice little football contest, respect the game, respect each other. So uh, I'll be there trying to help that out. If anybody wants to tailgate, let's do it. I think uh, we might make our way to the pub. I found out some people refer to Roadhouse Pub as Roadhouse. I've never done that. I've just called it the pub. So I will be at the pub at some point. And uh, if we want to do a little Discord meetup with anybody in East Lansing, let me know. I would love that. Final comment of the day is from Booby, who... Listen, I don't want to put pressure on Ulamog, who gets to name the Sleepwalker of the Week every week, but Booby is in the running for Sleepwalker of the Week this week. I mean, the, the this man put up prolific numbers. I feel like he averaged like 32 and 12 this week out of nowhere. Um, just giving us his favorite player of the day, making a graphic every single day. Incredible stuff from Booby. His player of the day is Davidson small forward Reed Bailey. The upcoming sophomore is in for a big year. 6'11", stretch 3'4", who is next up for Davidson. Team might not have the most successful season, but look for Bailey to break out and take a major jump in stats. Uh, I don't know if this was, like, directed with Riley coming on the show and Booby knew that, but, like, Davidson, North Carolina – Reed Bailey. What do you make of Reed Bailey, Riley? I've never heard of Reed Bailey. Shout out <laughs> Davidson, though. <laughs> uh, hey. No, he, he's, he's going to be good, though. He's going to be good uh, only because of this. He is a 6'8 forward wing named Reed Bailey that goes to Davidson. Like, is that not? That's really like, all you need to know. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Like, he's going to be good. I, I have not either heard or watched him yet but i promise you 
that kid's going to be good. Like because of his name, height, and where he goes to school, that's that's the prototypical Davidson good basketball player. I feel like I might be letting fam down uh, with my bluffs persona that I don't have more Davidson connections, but it's only like, it's only 40 minutes away from Charlotte. So it's like close to where I grew up, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll cheer for Davidson if they're good just to support North Carolina schools, but I can't say I'm locked into that roster. Mm, yeah. So it's kind of like when you wanted to start claiming the lions after they got good, like you'll claim <laughs> Davidson when they're good. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, understood. All right. Great job this week, comments. Seriously, you guys uh, put a lot of effort into making sure the show went on this week. It's much appreciated. I, uh, I genuinely believe we're sort of out here just like building the most fun, respectful, happy little support each other college basketball community there is. I've never stumbled into something like what we have right now, and it's in the early stages. So uh, join the Discord if you want to join. It's hugely supportive to us. Uh, and Riley Davis even said that if we get to 100 people who join, he will join the Discord. So that's fantastic true. news. All right. Uh, Riley has three topics, I believe. We have like, I again, I have no idea how much time. So we probably got to be quick on these. But Riley, what's our first topic of the day? Yeah, I know we're looking at like 28 minutes till the hard stop. So might have to go rapid fire through this a little bit. Yeah, but... 30, 30, 35, 36. I'll push it. All right. All right. You're going to so... miss a flight for Riley Davis? I do anything for Riley Davis. All right, here we go. Um, first topic: AP poll was released this week. Um, officially makes it feel like the season's on the horizon. I'm getting more and more excited. But I wanted to pose this question to y'all because it feels like this happens every year, where there is a team that starts out unranked, and by December, like by the end of December, after all the big non-conference matchups, after all the big MTEs tournaments, etc you have someone who cracks the top 10. Like last year, it was UConn who just ran roughshod through the PK-85, found themselves probably what, like ranked all the way up to five or something. Who do you think is the team that has the best shot to do that this year, to go from unranked to top 10 by the end of December? So the bar mm -hmm. is top 10. That's where we're going. Like they have to have a mm -hmm. top 10 ceiling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because that I think that's big here. Like if it was just like crack the top 25, I think I'd have a much more like likely different answer. But I'm looking for a team with some upside here. And I yeah, don't and I feel and, and and like you mentioned it the other day, G, when you were talking the the questions from the voice notes, um scheduling works into that like bigly. Like if you can get a team that kind of has a softer non-conference and they can, I don't know, just like they were right outside of top 25, but then they just rip off like 11 straight wins. They're going to get consideration for top 10. So I'm kind of looking at that, but I also don't want to look up other teams' schedules. So I might just pick a team, but you can go first if you want, G. Yeah, I I don't love the upside of a lot of the teams in like the others receiving votes category. That's my problem here. Like I'm looking through Wisconsin got the most outside of the top 25. That's not a top 10 team ever. Uh, UCLA has way too many unknowns for me. Virginia is a low ceiling team to me. So I have like I have two that are jumping out as potential right now and I just got to pick one. Uh, I'll go with my gut, I guess. I'm going to go with Auburn. Um, my alternative was Maryland and I'll be honest, I'm an overreact to scrimmages guy. I don't love that Maryland only won their scrimmage by four points against Who's Cincy. They played Cincinnati and, uh, um, no, Cincinnati's not bad though. They got yeah, a decent roster. It was like Seamus Lacocious versus the, the everybody. DHS. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and there were no freshmen mentioned. I don't know. Like Jameer Young, mm. I think Jameer Young had 26 in that game and they won by four against Seamus. Like that scares me a little bit. I'm going to go with Auburn, who is very unknown to me right now, but I've made it known that like 
I am generally very high on Auburn teams when they don't have expectations. And uh, this is like the year after the year now where like last year, no one knew what to expect. They didn't know how important Jabari Smith was. Turns out Jabari Smith was very important, but like the pieces that Auburn still has on this team to me matter. And uh, nobody's acting like they do. Like Johnny Broom is very good. He's very productive uh katie johnson is still on this roster and i do think there's a case if you're buying the whole north carolina jump after removing caleb love wouldn't you buy the auburn jump after removing wendell green too um he really hurt them a lot last season aiden holloway is an instant upgrade in my opinion i think he's going to be one of the most fun players to watch in the country and uh man they added some things too like denver jones is a guy who's immediately going to make an impact um like i know some people really like baker mazara so i think this is a deep team the sec is always kind of a mess but i don't love the top of the sec as much as i normally do so i think auburn has a chance to emerge and yeah of everybody that's not in the top 25 i think they have the highest upside Auburn was actually my choice as well. So look at us being on the same wavelength, but it's not just the roster. I'm with you on Aiden Holloway. I feel like he's sort of in that range that Bruce Pearl has found so much success with when it comes to freshmen. Like you think about someone like Isaac Okoro, Chumo Kiki, who were um, that like high four-star fringe five-star status and are able to go into Auburn and have found success right away under Pearl. Uh, I I think Aiden Holloway is the next one in line for that. Um, But it's also not just the roster. It's their schedule too. I did like a little prep on this. They opened the season on November 7th at at Baylor. Um, And then they also get USC – in like mid to late December and they play Virginia tech in there somewhere too. Like if those are three teams where, especially like if you can beat Baylor and USC, that automatically is going to like, if they beat Baylor in that first game, that's going to put them in the top 25 the next week. And if they're able to keep winning and can sort of punctuate that non-conference schedule with a, an emphatic win over USC who might be like top 15 by then, I think they have a great chance to crack, crack the top 10. Yeah. They have winnable marquee games. Now that I'm looking at the schedule, that's a, a very good thing. Carl, who's your answer? So I like those picks, and I got two teams here. One, I feel, one I just got to mention because I do it on every single podcast. Like I'm all on the Colorado Buffaloes train, you know I am. But they're also so close to the top twenty five with the receiving votes. One, I thought they should have been in at the start. Two, they're so close that I feel like they're in it. So I feel like that's cheating a little bit. Uh, but looking at the schedule, they do have a pretty soft schedule, um, and then they have the chance to end it with a win playing Miami. And I don't know where Miami will be by that time. They play December 10th at Barclays Center. They play Miami. So if that game right there is like Miami's pretty highly ranked, I think they could come into that game undefeated uh, with some of the early season games they have. And that could be the one that maybe pushed them over the edge. But the other team that I'll give a shout to is uh, Jerome Tang in the game. I think that Kansas State has a chance to do it. I mean, obviously they start the season – with probably the biggest game, I guess, that's on the opening night. They play USC. USC is ranked 21. They win that game. They probably find themselves in the top 25. Then they play, you know, Bellarmine, uh, South Dakota State, play at Providence, I believe, unless that's a, a neutral site. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't say where that game is actually at. I, it feels like it's November 17th, so it might be a neutral site game. But they play Providence. And then the next marquee game would be they're playing Villanova December 5th. And I'm not a Villanova you know, buyer at all, but I think that would be like a, you know, a marquee name noticing win. So they could find themselves with like one or two losses. They play really well. And this also 
part of this and part of them being in the top 10 is me buying that Jerome Tang with some guys actually is just like a, a force to be reckoned with. Like you give them Tyler Perry, you give them uh, Arthur Kaluma, and like that's enough. And he'll fill in around that and he'll make those guys really, really good. There's a lot riding on Kansas State and like what Kaluma does. I know Greg has mentioned it before that Kaluma actually might flourish with uh, getting away from Creighton, but he also might crash and burn. But if he flourishes and then you have Tyler Perry in the fold as well, who's going to be really, really good, I think. Uh, I think Kansas State could do some things and they could make a push towards the top 10. Yeah, I think it also works in Tang's favor that like he did it last year, like voters are familiar with them making the run to the elite eight there they'll be like tang is gonna be in the spotlight because he's a charismatic dude who's gonna have probably some viral moments anyway which like i think that's probably gonna help their perception as well to the voters um and one last team i wanted to give a shout to that could do it this is probably the least likely to be able to pull this off but if they do i think it's an automatic uh jump like vault into the top 10 that's Syracuse I know we talked about them last week um how we love the backcourt of Judah Mintz JJ Starling if they go to Maui they don't even need to win Maui they just need to make the final game because that field is so loaded if they can I don't I I didn't look up which teams they play first but if they can get to the final game and just keep it close they'll they're going to find themselves like in the 10 to 12 range the following weeks people always overreact to Maui um but for good reason, like it's teams that when Maui tend to perform well throughout the rest of the season and usually have a pretty good run in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, um, I was I was about to say, I can't wait for the first episode on here when we react to Maui. It's going to be it's going to be scenes and I plan on overreacting. Maui's going to be sick. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I know we talked about uh, just Judah Mitz so much last episode, but I really feel like a big part of Syracuse's upside also comes down to is J.J. Starling good or not? Like if J.J. Mm -hmm. Starling is just very good, isn't that team incredible? Like no matter what else yeah. is around them, if if Mintz and Starling they, are both nasty, they're going to be really good. Also, Riley, to your point, they play Tennessee first. And I know a lot of people love Tennessee, but like, uh, that's a winnable game. That's a winnable game. You're coming. That's like, a winnable basketball game. Zakai Ziegler coming off the ACL. Santi Vescovi like could be more worried about his frosted tips and actually getting buckets. Like that I just might be a win. Orange teams should not be allowed to play other orange teams. <laughs> I don't like that. That's it's too much orange. Also, yeah, it is too I, much orange. I'm convinced USC plays everyone. I feel like every team we've brought up, and like, let's look at their schedule. It's like, well, they start the year with USC. Like, does USC <laughs> just play every single team? And uh, lastly, Car on the Kansas State call out, we are finally gonna know at the end of the season if Arthur Kaluma is good or bad. And I'm yes. so that's one of my five favorite things I'm looking forward to finding out. Like, he's either the best worst player or he's the worst best player. It's one of the two. We're gonna figure it out. Uh, great topic like that, Riley. Where are we going next? All right. For topic number two, I know that Sleepers is famously not a mid-major podcast, but unknown to the maybe the casual fans, the non-sleepwalkers, like there is a lot of ball knowledge between these two fellas. I, I would consider myself with, with some some ball knowledge as well. I'll throw myself on that, but I got to salute y'all. Like you have way more ball knowledge than probably the the casuals, the haters, the Illinois fans who you know follow those other shows more than they realize. So I want to talk a little bit about 
some mid-major coaches. And this stems from like one of the the features in the almanac called the jump seat uh, that profiles which like mid-major coaches are most likely to, to take a, a better job next season or to, to go up into the power five or something. Um, so I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on which coaches you're most looking forward to or to see how they do this year, who could make that jump. And even more specifically, who could you see making a jump to the Big Ten and thriving? Hmm. See, talking- I think – sorry, you mind if I go first, G? Yeah, I just – I was going to just say we're talking some major mids. Okay, go ahead, Cart. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say all that. Um, so the first coach that comes to mind for, like, making the Big Ten jump is Dusty May, but I don't think that he actually does that. The coach that I would want or I could see making a jump, and this is a scenario that plays out in my head now, I don't want all of the purists from this team and all, because I know when I do say this, some people are going to comment back like he would never, ever leave this school. He is this school. He'll do this. He'll do that. Is there not a scenario where like St. Mary's actually wins the WCC and they have a really good tournament run and people don't want to try to get Randy Bennett away from them? Like, I think Randy Bennett's a really good coach. I do. Um, and I'm not doing the whole cop out thing because I used to be like a Randy Bennett, like skeptic, uh, skeptic, I guess the word would be. Yeah. And but over the last, I guess, year or two, I've like kind of really somewhat locked in on like those 11 o'clock Eastern St. Mary's games. And like he makes those teams look really, really good. And now he's starting to get like a, a recruiting type thing going on at St. Mary's. Like St. Mary's usually doesn't get four star guys or, you know, top 150 guys. And in the last two years they got Mahaney and then they got Ross this past season. So they're starting to do some things over there. I don't know necessarily where he would fit in coaching wise, like geographically, like if it would be like on the West coast uh, and what, you know, coach would leave for him to come in. But I think Randy Bennett might be the next coach to make a jump to the the higher level, especially coming off a really good season, possibly in the WCC. Yeah. Maybe Washington uh, does a little, Free Big Ten merge gets rid of Mike Hopkins and looks to a West Coast guy. I like that pick, Hart. I can see that. I think uh, something about it just screams he's a lifer at St. Mary's. Yeah, I kind of feel yeah, that too. I, I, I feel that way too, but I, I, that that's my scenario in a, yeah. in a perfect world where it happens. Okay. I, I respect that scenario. Um, yeah, huh. I I mean, Dusty May is the obvious answer as far as like who could make their way to the Big Ten. I actually disagree with Cart. I think Dusty May's dream job is Indiana. And I think Mike Woodson's emergence makes this more difficult because if you had asked us six months ago, like what's going to happen, I think we would have said, oh, Mike Woodson just leaves in a year and Dusty May gets that job. I 100% do believe Dusty is like waiting around for that a little bit instead of seriously looking at offers. But Mike Woodson's rolling right now, even though Boogie Flan looks Kentucky bound, he's rolling. Cart's making a face, but uh, he, he's- oh, I was taking a selfie, sorry. He's getting some good recruits here. I'm not worried about Mike Woodson anymore. So maybe the Big Ten will miss their chance on Dusty May, but I think that is the correct answer objectively, even if it's the boring one. I'll give you a a name that you guys are probably going to both just laugh at me for. I'm really excited to see what Richard Pitino does this year. I really am. So he's been at the level before. He was objectively horrible at Minnesota. Uh, But with that said, looking back on it, was he actually that bad at Minnesota? Because like it's Minnesota for one, anyone who's been there has been 
absolutely awful other than years and years and years ago. And if you look at the seasons he had, I want to actually take you through this. His first year at Minnesota, he went 25 and 13, then had two horrible years or two down years. Then he went 24 and 10. Then he had another down year. Then he went 22 and 14 again. Like he had three separate, like away from each other, good seasons at Minnesota. And I think like, I know Minnesota fans grew tired of him, but I think if you gave Minnesota fans the option of having three good seasons out of eight again, they would gladly scoop it up given where Ben Johnson has taken them. Um, Look, they were awesome last year early in the season, and then they had a losing record in the Mountain West after that. But this was the team that was undefeated longer than anybody last year. And they bring their key pieces back. And I like this New Mexico team. Like, they were my favorite team to bet on, favorite team to watch last season. My expectation for them is that they make the NCAA tournament this year, and they are very good. And uh, we interviewed Patino on After Dark last year. I, his, I loved him. Like he was making it sound like he's just in such a comfortable place in New Mexico. There's no expectations. Like the they're packing the pit. He kept saying, but like, I also fully get the impression that the first time Adrian that calls him, he would be on an, an overnight flight immediately. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I selfishly, I would love to see Richard Pitino back in the big 10 or somewhere else. I hate Rick Pitino. I love Richard Pitino. Another good answer. I'll actually stay in the Mountain West for one for like the new the new Big Ten with the West Coast teams. Leon Rice is someone at Boise State who it just seems like every year they have some fourth or fifth year guy who explodes out of nowhere. Um, Like last year, it was his son, Max Rice, and he's back for, I think, year five or year six. Boise State has a really good roster. Like the staff is excellent at developing players and and even with like Leon actually has both his sons on the teams this year like there's some nepotism I know the Big Ten loves nepotism but if Boise State has another 25 win season finds himself as like a seven seed um, again I'm looking at both Washington and Oregon like I don't know if Dana Altman's on the the hot seat I don't know what his contract is like or how Oregon fans feel about him but I mean there are those comments he made it's either like at the end of this past season or this summer that kind of said, like, if you're going to fire me, go ahead and fire me Um, to where I think both Oregon and Washington could be looking for a new coach ahead of the, of joining the big 10. The second one would be more traditional big 10 out in the Midwest. And it's actually another guy who loves some nepotism with Darian DeVries or DeVries. I never know how to say his last name Um, over at Drake with, with Tucker DeVries, uh, his son, who's one of the best, if like probably one of the two best mid-major players in the country. Um, and another team that's had some success there runs some really good offense and has found their way into the NCAA tournament. I like, like Drake is in Nebraska. I'm pretty sure. Isn't it? Yes. I, okay. I think so. Yeah. Also, I would love the idea of like Max Rice playing a six year and going to play with his dad at like a bigger school. Also, Drake yeah, is not sick. in Nebraska. Drake is in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, I'm looking at like Nebraska just staying in state if they move on from Hoiberg. I mean, like, are you sure? Maybe maybe you, it's Iowa. Maybe Iowa. Wait, are, you, are from, you sure? Are you sure about that, Greg? Yeah, Drake is in Iowa, but also Iowa is in Nebraska, so we're fine. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, awesome. Wait, hold on, Riley. Before you move to your third topic, I just want to let it be known because it came up. Uh, Rick Patino, people need to start having an actual conversation with themselves. He he ain't the guy you thought they were. I'm just. This this tweet will be fired off. This this is Rick Pitino in 2023. Why? If you're wondering. Why? Why is he not the guy? Because the thing about the old days is the, the old days. Okay. 
Like it, it doesn't ah, always translate. Ah, you this is the same. This is the same. This is the same guy that missed the tournament last year, right? Two years ago. Right. I, okay. I was, I was, yeah. Lost to I like Ryder or some Max. He said like, Iota. Okay. Yeah. And he had all the talent in the world. And he was the best team. Everyone, he's the best shit smoking. And Sean Paul said they were going to go undefeated the whole regular season. And they got packed up in the quarterfinals by Ryder. I mean, it should be impressive that he made it to the quarterfinals after Sean Paul it's, cursed it's, them. Like it that. shouldn't have been impressive. He should have won it. Uh, you of all people should know that uh, if you have a great historic old coach, they can turn it back on at any given moment. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm on pack watch. Yeah, I will be retweeting that as soon. I'm going to have noties on and retweeting that the moment it hits the timeline because I'm praying on St. John's downfall. It's they're way too confident. They're chirping way too much for like a perennial NIT team. Facts. Um, and again, their best their best gets this offseason were Ivy League transfers. Let that sink in. Jordan Dingle and Chris Lendlum. There's levels to Ivy League transfers, though. (laughs) Jordan Dingle's very good. Well, we can't all be Pax and Wojcik, to be sure. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Jordan Dingle, not Jalen Llewellyn. Want to be clear on that. Uh, I can't believe... Jordan Dingle's a hooper. I admit that. I'll give him that. I can't believe out of the three of us, I'm the one who has to defend Rick Pitino here. That's absurd. Like, come on, fellas. The man in the FBI had. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's 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 close it. Topic three. Um, so I know the NBA is NBA start next week. I probably should have looked this up before I said yeah, this. Twenty twenty fifth, I believe, is opening. Okay, yeah, next week, next week. Um, preseason still been going on, and I just wanted to give you all a chance to wax poetic about our king Osar and his uh, preseason game last night, where he had like eighteen points, eight boards, I think probably five or six assists, and shot like. 66 from the floor, 63% from three. Um, I'm claiming Osar. I am famously a player's guy when it comes to the NBA. I'm a longtime LeBron fan. I cheer for LeBron over any team. One day LeBron's going to retire, and I'm on watch for who the next up is. Osar won me over in summer league when he threw down the the – he made the reverse alley-oop look effortless, and I've been in since then. So what are y'all thoughts on Osar? What are the vibes overall about your Pistons as we begin this season? Could I'm this going, be the year of Detroit? People are asking that too. I'm going first, Car. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm jumping right in. First of all, the moment you said it opens on October 25th, I knew that was wrong. I Googled it. It's October 24th. Not a dates podcast. Uh, Detroit sports are back. That's primarily the Lions, but also the Tigers are making the playoffs next year. The Pistons are probably two years away, but I don't even care if they're going to be competitive and fun this year. And uh, again, not a hockey guy, not a hockey podcast, so don't kill me. But the Wings, I believe, are looking all right right now. We're back. Detroit sports are back. We waited a decade for this. We're back. We have fun young cores. We have talent. But the brightest of them all is Asar. I'm glad that you you called this out. A star is born in Asar. He's incredible. People want to play the whole like overtime elite bullshit. That's the only reason anyone has any concerns about either of the Thompson twins and everybody knows I'm a pro twins guy in general, across the board in life and in basketball, love a good set of twins. Okay. These two kids are absurd though. Like in any other draft class, these kids should have gone one and two, but we had an alien go first overall. But I'm highly confident that both of these kids are going to end up better than Brandon Miller. I won't say anything about Scoot because I'm a Scoot guy as well. But the thing with him is it's not like, oh, they're just freak athletes. Because everybody knew that's the only thing they knew that they for sure had was freak athleticism. And people liked their passing. People said Ahmed's a better passer than Asar. 
they're both like 99th percentile passers. They're 99th percentile athletes. Most importantly, they're 99th percent IQ guys. Like I, I have watched every second of Asar Thompson on a basketball court. He has never made the wrong play once. Like even when he does something wrong or the play doesn't work out, it's the right read every single time. The man's a basketball genius. And when you surround a basketball genius with Cade Cunningham, who's also a very high IQ player, like they're going to make each other's lives so much easier. In summer league, when Asar was going off, everybody told us like, oh, he's probably still coming off the bench though. Like you got Bogdanovich, like we'll work him in slowly. Nah, the preseason's here and he's our second best player. And by the way, he's so good that we're already just giving up on Jaden Ivey. That's how good Asar Thompson. Like Jaden Ivey averaged like 23 and six for the final month of the season last year. And we have him coming off the bench because we don't need him because Asar Thompson's that good. He also is hitting shots. I don't know where the narrative started that these kids can't shoot. They can shoot. Okay. Like they're, they're not like JJ Redick, but they can shoot the basketball. This man banged a game tying three in his first preseason game. He's four for eight from three the rest of the season. The jumper looks great. He's doing off the dribble stuff. I'm all in. I think he's Dwayne Wade 2.0. I said it three months ago. I've seen nothing that tells me different. He has the athleticism, the smoothness, and the brain of Dwayne Wade. And he's ours. And I can't wait. Yeah, the, the kid's just straight up special. And I think Greg already mentioned it, but the, the IQ thing for me is just like beautiful to watch as a as a self-proclaimed ball nolly savant and purist of the basketball game. Though I love dogging them guys and just pointing at guys and be like, yeah, that boy can hoop. The the way Asar plays the game and sees the game is special at such a young age, which is even crazy to me because like Greg bought up, everyone was saying, oh, OTE is just this uh, glorified pickup runs. It's a it's a sideshow. It's not real basketball. It's it's crazy to me that they get thrown into an NBA setting and they look like they're smarter than half the players on the court and they're only 19. The only one wish that I would have, and I've already thought about bringing this up to Greg somehow. We have to get Amen, Amen on our team before yeah. they try to get a SAR. Like it's eventually it's going to come to a crossroad at a point where one of the teams gets the other twin, and it has to be us. And I'm fully confident now that I would give up anybody on our team maybe for a minute. I don't know about Cade. I, you know I love Cade, but I would give up anybody else. I know Greg would probably give up Cade, but Houston ain't giving up Jalen Green. They they like him too much. His nails are too cute. They're not going to give him up. Like, but we're willing to give up people on our team for a SAR. So what what makes me I'm, I'm optimistic sorry, here for Amen? This is my read on it, and you can tell me I'm wrong. I don't get the sense that the twins are strip club guys yet, at least, right? Like that's there's a certain type of guy who you're like he's just never leaving Houston. Jalen Green never leaving Houston. James Harden literally won't play basketball until he gets to Houston. Like that's, there are certain archetypes that just belong there. I don't know that the twins are that maybe they'll get there. They're still young, but uh, I don't know. I, I just, it doesn't strike me that that's, I think they're just like in the gym, lock me in the gym. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to go watch tape guys. So they seem if, very wholesome. Like yeah. every interview, they just seem like, yeah, they're, they're ball junkies who just like love their family and, 
we're making all the jokes about how they live together. It'll be the first time in their life. They're not spending every second together. Like, yeah, there's, there's literally nothing to love about the Thompson twins. Yeah. I get this. It's, it's, these, these kids are going to go home and FaceTime each other after every single night. And like, Asar is just going to be like, Oh yeah, this is so fun. Like I love playing with Cade. Like I, it's, it's great. It's all basketball. And then Ahmed's like, well, my whole team, <laughs> is like out with little baby tonight and i'm terrified <laughs> like that's not, I like no i i need that and there it's just like no like glitz and glamour either like i don't know to put it into a, a situation that riley can relate to like last week when the lions played the bucks like the bucks were just excited to be there and wear their creamsicle jerseys they and were. like it was that but asar doesn't care about that he doesn't care about the glit the glamour the the statement jerseys the shoes anything like that he literally just wants to play basketball and I love that. It's like no head case, nothing, nothing else going on around it. He's going to be very, very special. And Detroit fans are should be excited. It's a great time to be a Detroit sports fan. It really is. Greg already said it. I'm going to say right now, last thing, put a ball on it from my end. I want to go on record right now. I've seen enough. Asar Thompson is the best player on this team. Both, both both now and long term. I know that Cade is still franchise guy. I get it. Let me just be clear before everybody else makes the pivot that I've already made. Asar is the franchise guy. Cade is the complimentary guy to Asar. And we will get there very quickly if we're not already there. Hey, and I'll I'll tie a bow on it as well, just by saying Asar might not be about the glitz and the glamour, but I'm about two weeks away from hopping on DHK and ordering a teal throwback Asar jersey. So with that be being fire. said, <laughs> with that being said, let's move to one big thing. You want to give the little little sponsorship read, Gregory? Sure. This is one big thing presented by Big B. Uh, you know, Big B is just a great home for coffee goers. And, you know, Carter's been on the go. He's been in a canyon. He's been in a gorge. He's been in a crevasse in the last four days. And uh, the common thread here is that he's been up at 5 a.m. Pacific time every single day. I got to imagine it's hard to climb a mountain when you haven't been caffeinated. So Big B, that's where they come in. Uh, Carl, let's throw it to you, Mr. West Coast, catching a flight in 10 minutes. Uh, I got a little combination for you, quick ones. One, West Coast time is goaded, by the way. It is. I think it's goaded. Games don't come on too late. I'm a big fan of it. Yes, I got to wake up early to do these podcasts, but honestly, maybe because I'm not adjusted yet, it's not as bad as you probably think. Two, you will never feel whiter in your life than when you're on a trail hike and like you're passing other people because like there's just so much trail etiquette you don't know about you like you just say like stupid quirky things like oh oh you're almost there or uh, oh, oh go ahead i need a break or you just give a head nod so many just quirky white things that happen along a trail that i was just completely unaware of and then the third and the last thing is that as a grown person or just as a person in general, or if you have kids, don't get on a plane smelling like ass, like throw on some deodorant, do something. Don't you have to be considerate to the fact that you're going to be with other people. I don't want to smell you. Other people don't want to smell you. You don't want to smell yourself. Wash your ass, put on some deodorant. Don't get on the plane smelling bad because it's not you you're affecting. You're affecting everybody else as well. Those are my three things. Thank you for those three things. Harshly disagree on the uh, West Coast time, but I'll let it slide. Riley, why don't you go next? Yeah, I'm going to hit y'all with a little bit of neighborhood etiquette in the same realm of uh, <laughs> speaking of whitest <laughs> things, but also in the realm of that one time Carter called out his neighbors for not putting their, <laughs> leaving their trash can and recycling out his decor. Um, yeah. This is for I know we are all 
dog men. We we love people who have that dog in them, but we are also all dog owners. Uh, for me, I have like a 55 pound mutt. He's a rescue. Got some pit bull in him. Got some hound in him. He's got a lot of energy, but we have worked pretty tirelessly to train him, to follow us, to heal, to do all that good stuff. And it irks me when I'm walking my dog through the neighborhood and I see these tiny yappy dogs whose owners don't bother to train them because it's just like, oh, I can overpower them anyway. Uh, it still matters. Still train your dogs. I don't need your like tiny dog lunging at at my my pit bull. You know, that's that's not a matchup any of us want to see. Um, so just, you know, take some time, get some treats, get whatever you need to train your dog, maybe invest, like just invest the money in a session, promise it'll be worth it. Uh, have good dog etiquette. I like that. Yeah, I echo that as well. That's a great one. All right. My one big thing presented by Bigby today, uh, as you can see, the hat is back on. It's FBI mode. I was on this mode for about four years before we ever even had the podcast back when uh, the FBI crackdowns, when we said, we have your playbook. That was me. That was me. I was out to make sure that all these cheating coaches get punished. They deserve to. You, we're not going to cheat. We're not going to stand idly by while young basketball fans and young football fans watch their idols, their stars, the people they look up to set a horrible example and just ruin the morals of this world. It's not okay. We needed more John Beelines in the world four years ago. We needed less Calipari's and Bill Self's and all of that. So I want to give some credit to the FBI, first of all. Uh, Bill Self, take the banners down, okay, my friend? Uh, we came down harsh on you there. You had to remove one banner. I know that's big. That's huge. Great job, FBI. I need more of that. So specifically, Jim Harbaugh, I'm looking at you right now. I'm looking you dead in the eyes, my friend, okay? We're not hiring military personnel to spy on UTEP, okay? We're not doing that. We're not getting Indiana's playbook. We're not doing that. That's not okay. We're out here to just have a fair, fun little football contest. That's what we're trying to do. And if you're not willing to do that, Jim, I'm going to have to personally make sure that the fullest extent of the law is delivered to you right now. Okay. And I fully expect, I fully expect Saturday to be a nice, fair, fun little day, you know, give so much credit to, to Michigan state football. I want to give them a ton of credit for playing this game. They didn't have to do that. Okay. They didn't have, they know what they're getting into. They're getting their hands in the muck from you, Jim. I'm looking at you personally. So clean this shit up. The FBI's after you. We will not stop until you're running things the fair way or you're out of your position as head coach of Michigan football. That's my one big thing. I mean, that was special. Wait, can I – I one more thing I want to ask right here, Gregory. Uh, one thing you missed. Uh, the FBI did have their way at the Beeline family, just not the Beeline you spoke of. And, Riley, I want to ask you something – do you have an HOA in the community that you live in? Yeah, but it's yeah. Are 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 you on the HOA? Hell no. Have you ever submitted a complaint to the HOA? No, I'm very okay. anti HOA. Okay, just I just, I just want I I had to know. Okay, let me go get my boarding pass, fellas. Great episode. <laughs> we will be back Monday, Riley. I always love these Riley Fridays, and I appreciate you being flexible and doing this, being the new father you are, Greg. You know you're great. I say it every single episode. I love being here. I'm not going anywhere. You're going to have to kill me first. Sleepers out.
Goodbye, Riley. What's your one big thing, Carter? Uh, my one big thing. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.